All right, good morning. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. <laughs> Glad you're here this morning. And, and like Nathan said, we're going to be ending 2019 wrapping up a teaching series called All Things New. If you're a visitor with us, or I know the holidays are going to be hard, you may have missed one or two or more of these talks. Don't worry, we're going to be doing some review as, as I wrap up our series. And so as we jump into it this morning, I'm going to be doing review, and then I'm going to be talking about two specific ideas, and we're just going to keep coming back to those two ideas. And those two ideas are be ready and grab hold. And, and with be ready, what we're going to talk about is what Jim and Lee have been bringing us through over the past weeks on how do we live our lives now in the light of eternity, in the light of what is coming in the return of Christ? How does it impact how I live today? And then as we think about grabbing hold, we're going to talk about hope. How important is hope? Is hope important? It's very important. We know the Bible says these th three things, love, you know, joy, hope, these things, faith, they're so, so important. And so we're going to be talking about how do we grab a hold of hope and live in that, like an anchor for our souls. And I don't know about you, but I need hope going into 2020. And, and, and some of us here this morning, you're coming and you might be going, I just need a fresh dose of hope. Hopefully this morning you're going to get that. And, and it's hard to sit in this tension, and I, and I describe it as a tension, between being ready, what I mean by that is being fully invested in what God is doing here and now, in the kingdom of God now, and also having an anticipation and an excitement about the kingdom that is coming. It's hard to sometimes sit in both of those. And so as I think about living with excitement, think about living with anticipation, I think about something fun that I experienced just this past week with my family. So before I tell you what we did, let me ask, how many of you guys went to a movie theater sometime in the last two or three weeks? Raise your hand. And, okay, yeah. So most people in the room have gone to see a movie here in the last few weeks because the Christmas season is the number one grossing season for theaters throughout the whole year. It's like Christmas movies are it. People want to get out of the house. They want to avoid awkward family members or political conversations or whatever. Let's go to the movies, right? So, so you go. And so my family, we went and saw the new Star Wars. Anybody seen it? Okay, I liked it. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was really good. But as we were getting ready to go see the movie, I was reflecting on this whole kind of culture and idea and concept of movie trailers. Do you guys know that they used to show, the reason they're called movie trailers is they used to show them at the end of the movie? Remember that? Maybe some of you are old enough to remember. They would show, the, you know, and then people would, they realize they leave. So then they turn them into previews. They show them before the movie. I don't know about, Star Wars, there were like 40 minutes of previews, right? Some of them were good. Some of them were like, I don't know about that. Some were like, I want to see that. But, you know, when I was a kid and growing up, this has been a thing. Every time this particular logo would come up on a screen, I'd be like, oh, here we go. It's a Star Wars trailer, you know, and my, my heart would start pumping. I'd start getting excited. And, and you guys know what trailers do is, is they're designed to get your blood pumping. They give you foretastes of, you know, the best scenes of the movie that's, that's coming. And sometimes there'll be two, three, four trailers that'll come out, show you something a little different. You go on YouTube and you watch them over and over just to build kind of the, the anticipation of, of the movie. And then finally, after months, sometimes a lot of months, you're there. You're in the theater. And the lights go down and you're like, it's on. Here we go. You know, and with Star Wars, that music starts in and it's awesome. So why am I going into all this? Well, we're living in a time of anticipation. We could call it a preview age, if you will. A preview time in history. Our king, Jesus, has come and he's freed us and he's empowered us to live and he's in the process of, of defeating the bad guys and he, he's called us to work with him on this humongous restoration project, this restoration plan. And, and in the meantime, we're pushing back evil and, and we're teaching and we're living out his ways and we're doing it with him, hopefully. We're living the with God life. And as we do the with God life, as we work on his kingdom with him now, we are getting wonderful foretastes, previews, if you will, of the full length uh, feature that's to come. The book of Hebrews 
calls this the powers of the coming age. And I don't know if you've read that in your Bible and you've ever stopped to reflect on what are the powers of the coming age? And, and Jim and Lee have been taking us through some of these, and I'm going to do some review here. You know, part of this is we can now rebuke demons and they flee. Do you remember Dylan's story up here a few weeks ago? If you missed that, you missed an incredible story. Uh, so we've, we've got that power and authority in Jesus' name. We can pray for people who are sick in the name of Jesus, and, and people get healed. We can preach the gospel, and it's the power of salvation, and lives are changed. Uh, we can also experience what Paul calls the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 3.14. And we can experience inner transformation of our character into Christ-likeness. That's a preview or a foretaste of the person that we're going to become. And we also get to experience incredible, joy-filled, spiritual relationships with God's people. So these are some of the things. These are foretastes or previews, and they're very real. Just like the movie trailers, you know, the previews, they're real scenes of the full-length feature. But do you guys know what the worst part of a, a movie trailer is? It's those words, coming soon. <laughs> right? It's like, coming soon. You're like, oh, I can't get here fast enough. Well, here's the thing. You know, movie trailers also show you the best scenes. Sometimes it's like, we don't even need to go see the movie. We just saw all the best scenes, right? Do you guys know that the best is yet to come? in God's kingdom. Well, we're experiencing it. It's good. It's really good. The best is coming. And that's exciting to, to me. Hopefully it is to you too. Someday we're going to sit in that big cosmic IMAX, so to speak, experience the full-length feature. I'm very excited about that. So hopefully this is stoking your sanctified imagination as I talk about movies. So as I get into the message, what I want to do is just take a few minutes to do review of what Jim and Lee have been taking us through. So first off, Jim, in one of his first talks, he said this. He said, your view of history is important. And we all know that that's a true statement, right? That your view of history is important, understanding where we've come from as a people, as a culture. But not just where we come from, we need to have a view of where we're going. If you don't have a view of where you're going, it's hard to make sense of where you are right now. Does that make sense? So your view of history is, is really important. And the reality is, is that you and I are a part of a much bigger story than we know. Our lives have deep meaning and purpose in the story of the Bible. Like your life is literally tied to the flow of history, of biblical history. So many times we don't think that way. We just think about me and my personal salvation and I'm forgiven and that's wonderful. But your life is tied to a grand, sweeping, epic story. It has a beginning. It's got an ending. And you're in the middle of it right now. And that's, and that's real. We're created. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Created for relationship and purpose in the kingdom of God. And what was lost in the Garden of Eden when man sinned is being restored in Jesus, will fully be restored when he returns. And Lee, when he opened this series, he talked about this. He said there is a flow, kind of like a golden thread, a flow of restoration and culmination from Genesis to Revelation. And you can see it as you go through the scriptures that Eden one day will be restored and it's not going to be boring. <laughs> Jim really did a good job a few weeks ago in his message on rewards and talking about it's not going to be boring. It's not like we're going to be floating around on clouds with the halo, you know, kind of like Gary Larson, Farside. He, he makes this cartoon like, oh man, I wish I'd brought a magazine, right? Okay, so I love the Farside, but, but this is wrong, okay? But I, I still love Gary Larson and I love the Farside, but this is not going to be what's going on in heaven. We're going to be doing stuff. And if you want the verses for this, uh, go back and listen to Jim's message on the, from the 15th. But Jim said, we are going to have, in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be having deep relationship with people that we've walked with throughout our lives. It's going to be like the biggest reunion you've ever seen. We're going to be hosting people in homes, entertaining we're going we're gonna to have feasts and we're going to be eating. There's going to be a banquet called the Wedding Feast of the Lamb, which is referring to Jesus. And there's going to be farming, gardening, plants, animals, rivers, dwellings, cities, nations. And check this out. 
with no sin, with no selfishness, and no evil. Can you just imagine that? I know it's so hard for us to conceptualize a world where there is no sin and no evil and no selfishness. Everybody just lives to serve one another. That's what it's going to be like. And here's the thing. We're going to be doing relationship with our creator. Like we were designed to do in the beginning in the garden. Like Adam and Eve got to experience. And we're also going to be restored in our original design to rule with God. And that's what Adam and Eve had in the garden. That's going to be restored. And here's the thing. Since Jesus has come and defeated death the first time, much of this restoration has begun in earnest. But it's not fully here yet. And in this series, Jim and Lee have been asking this question week in and week out. So now what? How do we live in this in-between time, this preview time that we're in? Well, I love what Jim said. He said, in this present time, we fight. That's what he said. And I love that. We fight. And we fight from victory. And so I want to look at some scripture now. And I just got to tell you, this verse, this, this, this message is just chock full of scripture verses, okay? So just get ready. We're going we're gonna to look at a lot of scripture this morning. First, let's start out in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And some manuscripts say they are already reigning on the earth. And so, so this verse here that talks about you and I, God's people reigning with him, this isn't just a future thing. Peter is really quick to point out that this is a now thing. Look at, at this verse, 1 Peter 2.9. Peter, speaking about us, the church, says, but you are, present tense, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You could say you're a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. God's special possession. Why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We've got purpose right now. We are children of light now. And we're called by Jesus in his kingdom. We've been given authority in his name to resist evil. We've been given authority in his name to work against injustice and to live out his ways on planet earth as they are in heaven. And Jesus says this. He says, do these things until I return, until I come back, do these things, be about these things. Check out what he says in Matthew 28. We know it as the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you guys, I am the king. And in my authority, go into all the world and teach them how to do this stuff. Teach them how to live out my ways on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll be with you always, now and forever. So literally, you guys, you could say in the light of all this, that we are now training for reigning. <laughs> if you go, why are we here? What's the church for? What are we doing? Why are we gathered here? You guys, we are training for reigning. Isn't that fun to think about? You are training to do what you're going to be doing forever. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so that's our intro. That's our review. Now I'm going to tie it all together. So let's jump in. Uh, we're going to look at some more scripture. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, it's talking about the last days. What kind of people ought you to be today? Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you wait eagerly for the day of God to come. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I love that. So in the light of Christ's return and what we're going to inherit, what type of people ought we to be? I mean, what should our lives look like? That's what Peter's driving at here. What should be our attitudes? What should be our responses? What should be our preparations? 
Well, what I've done is, is to answer these questions, I've organized it under these two major thoughts, these attitudes or actions, and they are be ready and grab hold. Be ready and grab hold. Let's look at be ready first. To understand what this attitude of, of readiness looks like, we're going to look at the words of Jesus. And I'm going to go through these verses quickly. Again, these are all on the YouVersion Bible app. If, if you want, want those notes, uh, you can find them there. Matthew 24, 42. Jesus said, therefore, keep watch, because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. Luke 12, 35 and 36. Be dressed, ready for service. And keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. Philippians 3, 20. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return. 1 Corinthians 1, 7. As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. When Jesus Christ is revealed, it is coming. Are you catching the recurring theme over and over and over? Is that we are supposed to have an excited anticipation of Jesus' return. We're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be looking forward to it. And, and as I think about this, I think, are we really, do we catch this? Do we understand what this feels like? And the best illustration that I, I've come up with to describe eager anticipation is similar to like when a military spouse or loved one is waiting for their person to come home. I mean, I got to actually experience that. I have an identical twin brother, and he was in, in one of the Gulf Wars, and he's a chaplain in the army, and he was gone for months and months and months. And, and I just remember, oh gosh, I miss him so bad, and I'm concerned. But, but I was just like, I cannot wait for the day he comes home. And I was literally there at the airport, and, and he got off this airplane, and we had to wait over here, and there's this big field, and they came marching across. And I was standing there, and I am just in tears, and I'm going, oh my gosh, he's here, he's here, he's here. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the closest thing I can come to, uh, to thinking about waiting uh, with anticipation and expectancy. And I know, you guys, it's hard because it's been 2,000 years, right? It's been a long time since Jesus said, I'm coming back. And it could be a while longer, but friends, I can guarantee you one thing. We are closer now than we've ever been, right? We are closer now, 2,000 years later, than we've ever been. I mean, it could still be a while, but here's the reality. It could be tonight. It could be tonight. And that's the anticipation we're called to have. When it comes to our attitude, we can have a good attitude about Christ's return and that day, or we can have what the scriptures call a wicked attitude. Let's look at that. Matthew 24. Jesus said, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master will put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? I don't know about you. I want to be the wise and faithful servant in this story. It says, it'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked. And he says to himself, hey, my master, he's kind of staying away a long time. So he begins to beat the fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect and at an hour he is not aware of and he'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes, right? Okay, I don't want to be the wicked servant here in the story. Do you guys notice the forbidden attitude, the wicked attitude? What is it? It's this. The, the servant goes, hey, we're all good here. Our master's a long way off. So here's what happens. I just do whatever I want to do, right? And that attitude is really similar to the attitude of the scoffers that Peter describes in 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Check this out. He writes, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they'll say, where is this coming? 
that he promised. I mean, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And what are those people doing who are saying the master is a long way off? What are they doing? It says here, they're following their own desires. They're just doing business as usual, just taking care of me, what I want, my needs, my little kingdom. They're just doing their thing. And here's the thing. Those servants are in danger of being lulled to sleep. Like Jesus described in Matthew 25, he told this parable. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but it's a parable where he says, the kingdom of, it's like these 10 virgins. And these 10 virgins say, you know, the bridegroom, he's a long way off. And so what happens to these, these virgins? It says they grow drowsy and they fall asleep. And here's the question for us, you guys is are we in danger of that happening to us? And the answer is yes. And the reality is, is that whenever our eyes get off the king and his kingdom, we are suckers for counterfeits and substitutes. Isn't that true? I'm going to say that again. When our eyes get off of king and kingdom, we are suckers for counterfeits and substitutes. So, how do we stay awake and how do we be ready? So what does the good attitude look like? This is what it looks like, you guys. We live with a heart for the kingdom of God. And how do you grow this heart for the kingdom? How do I live with a heart for the kingdom of God? Because here's the thing, you guys. You're either going to live with a heart for the kingdom of God or you're going to build your own little kingdom here. That's what people default to. And, and this is something that Jim, in, in a talk of his a few weeks ago, he, he was warning against is, is, you guys, this life is not about just building a little kingdom for ourselves here and now. He talked about where our heart is invested. Do you remember that? He, he quoted Jesus in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Let's read it. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. And here it is. Here's the crux. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus understood how human hearts work. He understood, you guys, that where I put my time my energy, my talents, where I invest my life in what I consider to be valuable, important, those things will shape my affections. And that's why Jesus very lovingly said in Matthew 6.33, but seek first my kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, seek above all else my kingdom, the extension of my rule, my reign, my person, who I am. Make that the first priority of your life. So in order to understand what Jesus meant here, because sometimes we read that verse, Roman, I mean, sorry, Matthew 6, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. Uh, we go, okay, I don't know what the kingdom of God is. So I need to take a few minutes to teach this morning on what is the kingdom of God. We've got to see this in order order to understand how to live into it. So I'm going to share a few verses on it really quickly. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went through Galilee. He was teaching in their synagogues. And what was he proclaiming? The good news of the kingdom. That word good news also translated gospel. The gospel or the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. And you go, what's the good news of the kingdom? And then Matthew 10.7 He says, and as you go, proclaim this message. This kingdom of heaven has come near you. It's not some far off thing. It's not something that you're going to just experience when you die someday. That's not the whole end goal of the gospel is to get you into some place when you die. The kingdom of heaven is here and it's now and it's going and it will be forever. And the Jews who followed Jesus, they got this. (laughs) They understood that Jesus was coming and they they remembered prophecies 
about how someday there's going to be a king that comes like King David and his reign is going to last forever. Check this out. Matthew 11. Verses 9 and 10, it says, Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting about Jesus. Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. And they were speaking of Jesus and they're saying, it's here, this long-awaited kingdom. It's come, the king is here. It's coming through Jesus. They got it. Luke 4, 43. Jesus says this, I must proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. And so I know in your, in your mind, you're going, what is this good news of the kingdom? What's this gospel of the kingdom? Hang with me. Okay, we're going we're gonna to really get it here. But I want to answer this because some of you might go, well, how do you enter into this kingdom? Like, what do you do? How do, how do you become a part of it? Well, Jesus clearly shares it in John 3, 3. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see or enter the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. How are you born from above? Guys, this, this is what Jesus came to do and to accomplish in us is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, believing who he said he was and what he came to do, you put your faith in him and you receive life from him, you are born again. You receive a new life, a new nature, a new spirit. And this is how we enter into the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I've ever, I've ever been born from above I'm not sure I'm a part of this kingdom of God. Please, don't leave here this morning without talking to someone. Maybe somebody who invited you here, or we're going to have a prayer team up here later. And, and if you're going, man, can you tell me how, how to be born again? Can you pray with me? Don't leave here this morning uh, without being in the kingdom of God. So, what is this gospel of the kingdom? Well, here's, let me explain it this way, because in order to understand it, you've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And so the kingdom of God started in the Garden of Eden. This was God's original design. You could call that literally Kingdom 1.0. And in Kingdom 1.0, what was happening? Well, you've got God, and you've got Adam and Eve, and they're on earth and here's the two things that they were doing. These are the hallmarks or the pillars of the kingdom of God. These two things, relationship and purpose. This is what the kingdom is all about. It's about relationship and purpose. I want you to, to think about the type of relationship that Adam got to experience with God. I call it park bench fellowship. Literally, it says in Genesis 3.8, it says God would come and he would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. I think that was probably a pretty natural, normal occurrence. And so I just imagine God and our first parents just hanging out in this humongous national park. You know what I mean? I think it was amazing. Park bench fellowship, relationship. But then there was also purpose. They weren't just in there, just la, 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 let's just hang out. No, Adam and Eve, our first parents in their design, were called to rule with God, to reign with him, to share responsibility with him. And Jim really talked about this a few weeks ago when he said that heaven is going to be a restoration of our original design to rule. And then he read Genesis 1. So let's look at it real quick. Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That word dominion is a kingdom word. Basically reign with me. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the, over the birds, over the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So our first parents in kingdom 1.0 were to be with God and to share responsibility with him. So this is relationship and purpose in the kingdom. And let me, let me pause right here. Ask a question. What does our world long for today? I mean, what do people just at the core of who they are, what do they desire, what do they long for? I know you could say, well, everybody wants independence. And, but if you really were to ask people, you know what people want? Meaningful relationships and purpose. Why am I here? What am I here for? What, does my life have meaning? You guys, people want relationship and purpose. And here's the thing. It's found in the kingdom of God. And when man fell, that original purpose, that original relationship was, was distorted. It was lost. But it's still hardwired into us as humans. 
We long for meaningful relationship and purpose, and it's found in the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, when people don't live in the kingdom of God, this this God-given desire for relationship and purpose is distorted into basically a pursuit of money, sex, and power, right? Think about it. It just becomes about money, sex, and power. And so God in the original, when man fell, God didn't just go, oh no, what are we going to do? No, he immediately set about a restoration plan. And so what he did is he chose a man and his descendants, and he chose that man and his descendants to be with him and to share purpose, to be a light to the nations around them of the ways of Yahweh, the ways of God. Do you know who I'm talking about here? I'm talking about the people of Israel. You could call Israel, that time in history, Kingdom 2.0. <laughs> And, and, and so the kingdom was coming in, in Israel, but it, it was just kind of, you know, sometimes they get it, sometimes they wouldn't. But here's the thing. All the people of Israel are looking forward to one day a king is going to come and he's going to set it all right. And so Jesus was born. We just celebrated this this past week. And do you guys know what his first message was? Very first message that we have recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, which means change the way you're thinking, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's basically saying, It's here. The king and the kingdom are here. So I'm the one now who the kingdom comes through. So get to know me and be a part of what I'm doing. This was Jesus' message. And you could call this kingdom 3.0. And here's the thing. We're currently living in it. This is what theologians call the church age. It's kingdom 3.0. And so you could also call this time that we're living in in history the beginning of all things being made new. That restoration project started after the fall of man. It it was coming through Israel. It's coming through Jesus. And one day it will be fully restored. So what does it look like now for us? This is kind of the big question that Jim and Leah have been asking us. Now what? What does it look like for you and I to seek first this kingdom? Because if we don't understand this, we miss that relationship and that purpose. What does it look like? Well, I just said it. It looks like what it's always looked like. Relationship and purpose. It's how we live in the kingdom now. We see this really clearly in in Mark's gospel, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. See if you could see relationship and purpose in this verse. It says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Do you see it? relationship, that he'd be with them. Purpose, he's giving them authority to push back evil. And you guys know that God gives authority to those he gives responsibility. Jesus' kingdom is all about relationship and shared purpose. He'd say things like this, you guys, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Intimacy. So what's the application for us in the kingdom of God now is to get to know our good and beautiful God that we're going to be spending eternity with. Amen? Press in. In 2020, press in to get to know God. And then purpose. What is the purpose of the church in in this age? Well, we talk about this a lot at New Heights. But what this looks like is that we live to bring as many people as possible into God's reality. We don't just let the world go to hell in a handbasket like my grandma used to say. You ever heard that phrase before? I'm like, that's a weird phrase. Let the world go to hell in a handbasket. No, we don't let that happen. No. We've been given authority in Jesus' name to not let evil have its way. We say no in Jesus' name. And and we, we live on a mission to help as many people as possible to know the returning king. Amen? We live on mission. And we bring the influence of our king everywhere that we go. I love what Dr. Jan Johnson says about this. I think she said it well. She said, in partnership with God, we have the capacity to make a difference in this world. God has described our purifying and illuminating role. We can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's Matthew 5, 13 and 14. 
So you guys, even though this world is not our home, we are called in scripture to influence this world. Amen? We're called to influence it. We don't just, just let it go. And, and let me help to clarify how the kingdom, one, one more illustration to help, to help to clarify this, how the kingdom's working now. Because it's working differently than it's going to work in the future. Kingdom 4.0, you could call it, where Jesus comes back on a white horse to kick tail and take names, right? We're all excited about that day. It's not here yet, it's coming. But how does the kingdom work now? Well, Jesus did a lot in his teaching to describe it. Now, I'm not a baker, I don't bake, but I understand that yeast is pretty important if you want to make bread, right? Some, some way to make that thing rise? Well, Jesus used this illustration. Look at it, Luke 13, verses 20 and 21. Jesus said, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? Well, he says it's like yeast that a woman mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So here's how it works today, you guys. Kingdom people, you and I, here's what we do. We're called to go and mix in everywhere. In economics, in arts, media, academics, education. We're called to mix in in family and neighborhoods and businesses and leisure and in play. To go into all these places and follow the Holy Spirit's leading there. Did you catch that? That's the important part. As we go into these spaces day in and day out and we follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And as we do, as we follow the Spirit, God's restoring presence and power comes into those spaces. The kingdom comes to earth through us as we follow the Holy Spirit. Jesus is describing that. And as that happens, it mixes into everything. And people go, wow. They get literally, it's like we're a movie preview. <laughs> the church is a movie preview of what life in heaven is going to be like. And people around us get to experience that as they're with us day in and day out. And they go, hopefully, I want some of that. How do I get into that? And that's what it looks like today. And here's the thing. When I said earlier, we are literally training for reigning. <laughs> that's the reality because what are we going to be doing in eternity in the future? What's future kingdom going to look like? Well, it's going to look like it. Come on, you know, relationship and purpose. You saw that coming, right? We're going to be doing relationship and purpose in the future kingdom. Revelation 21. Take a look at the relationship here. I heard in a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. And they'll be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God relationship. And then purpose? Here it is. Last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, 5. There'll no longer be any more night. They won't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord their God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Reigning. Purpose. Doing stuff with God. And friends, I just gave you the gospel of the kingdom. That's the gospel of the kingdom from Genesis to Revelation. And we're caught up in it. And it is really, really, really good news. Amen? It is such good news. And so this is what it looks like to seek first that kingdom and to be ready. Now, I want to move on to that second thing that we need to hold on to. We're called to, to be ready. The next thing we're called to is to grab hold. Grab hold of what? Grab hold of hope. You know, this is the challenging part. It's because we live in a fallen world right now where there's still suffering, there's still tragedy, there's pain, there's loss, there's death, there's injustice. And we live in this world and, and, and how do we hold on to hope in this time that we're in as we're, as we're waiting for the perfect to come? Well, Jesus showed us what this looks like. And I shared this in the first service and I had a gentleman come up to me and, and he's been in church a long time and he goes, I never saw that before. Maybe you've seen this. But here's the thing, you guys. Jesus, even in the face of the injustice and pain of the cross, it says that he had a joy set before him. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So Jesus showed us when facing the injustice and pain of the cross, he showed us that you can grab hold of hope and have a joy set before you in the most horrible of circumstances. And we can grab hold of it. And we've got relationship with God now and purpose in his kingdom now in the church that we can grab onto and we can hold onto it no matter how dark it may get. God is true in what he's promised us. And I know it feels shaky, you guys. It feels chaotic. Right now we look at the kingdoms of this world and they're shaking all over the place. And it can be easy sometimes to put our hope you know, in, in, a, in a government or to put our hope in our retirement funds or, or to put our hope in all sorts of things. But we know that those things are so shaky. And so here's what I do, you guys. I, I do something to help me to fix my eyes on Jesus and to fix my hope on him. I have a little saying that I've come up with and I, I say this sometimes multiple times a day. I'm gonna share it with you. I say this, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. There's relationship. And I am living in the strong, unshakable kingdom of God. Can we all say that together? I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And I am living in strong, unshakable kingdom of God. This is power truth here. And we have to hold on to it. As an anchor for our souls, we need to cling to the truth. And this is what Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad? <laughs> it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul strong and secure. Do you have that anchor for your soul today? We need to hold on to it. And we're gonna pray here in just a little bit and ask God to help us with that. Here's something I wanna do right now is, is I wanna share something with you that, that I recently experienced. And, and I hesitated as I was preparing for this message to put this in here. Some of our staff were like, no, Kevin, you gotta share this because when I've shared it with people, they're really encouraged. So I'm gonna go ahead and share it with you this morning. But I had an incredible thing happen to me back in April. And it was an incredible experience. I actually had a vision from God. And, and this wasn't just some like daydream. Uh, it actually, I kind of call it a hybrid. It was like sort of a dream and a vision combined because it was at night. But when it started to happen, I became fully awake and I knew what was going on. So this was like one of those like New Testament vision dream things. And I, and I don't get these, okay? Like this isn't just, you know, Kevin gets these all the time. No, I've never had one like this ever. And in this dream vision, I was with Jesus. And I couldn't see him, but he's like right here. And then he started to take me on a tour of the new heavens and the new earth. And he started to show me some of the things that we're going to experience. And it is so hard for words to describe, but I saw angels. I saw how our new bodies are going to work, some of the things that we're going to be able to do. And it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. I know some of you afterwards are going to be like, tell me, what did it look like? Okay. Yes. I mean, it just was mind-blowing. Some of the things that, that just impacted me the most, though, was I had the experience of living in an environment, even if it was just for that short, brief time, where there's no sin, no selfishness, and no evil. Guys, it was such a culture of honor. Everybody in that place just lived to honor. It was, it was incredible. And then I got to experience, this is what was just so mind-boggling. You know, we have these words that we try to use to describe God, like omniscient, omnipresent, you know, omnipotent, to describe God's just bigness and vastness. And, and I, I just, I had a, an experience of God's limitlessness. And what I experienced in, in experiencing God is, you guys, he is love to the core. Just, he is love beyond imagining. 
And I asked Jesus at the end of this vision, at a certain point, I just got to be, I was like, Lord, I can't take anymore, literally. I was like, you got to stop. I can't take any more of this. And, and, and I, I asked him, I said, Lord, why are you showing me all this? And he said, because you need to persevere. And I was like, wow. And ever since that day, I, I tried to journal it. You know, it's hard. I, I tried to journal some of it. But here's the thing. Over the, over the days and weeks and months since that happened, just pictures of that, that vision will come to me. I'll start to think about eternity and I start to get really, really happy. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me sometimes. I just get so focused on here and now and the troubles and my nose is at the grindstone and I'm just like, you know, and I'm working on the kingdom and it's like, no, Kevin, this is good, but look forward to what is coming. And it's, it's, it's an anchor for my soul. And I, I just, I share this to encourage you. Hope in your God. He's real and he's worth it. Amen? He's worth it. And the Apostle Paul tried to grab this when he put this into the letter to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 18. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. It's not it, doesn't hold a candle. <laughs> it's not worth comparing. And you guys, as excited as I am to get there one day, here's a reality. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are more excited than me. <laughs> I remember on my wedding day, I was standing at the altar, and I was like, like full of like energy and just crazy, anticipating my bride was going to walk down the aisle one day and I was going to get to see her in all her radiant glory, you know, on that day. And it says, Jesus, he's gone to prepare a place for us. There's going to be a wedding feast and he's excited for us to come down the aisle and be there with him. So here's what we're going to do to close out our service this morning. Because I'm going to have us actually do something to stoke our sanctified imagination. In just a minute, I'm going to actually have us close our eyes and picture the first three things you want to do when you walk into eternity. Think about it. You pass into eternity, what are the first three things you want to do? And actually, what comes into your mind says a lot about your faith and about your walk with God because some of us, even as I say, close your eyes and imagine meeting God, right now, thoughts of fear or shame or guilt might be flooding up in your emotions. And that's not good. <laughs> but you might also be having this thought, I just can't wait just to run and jump in my Savior's arms, wrap him up in a hug. That says a lot about your faith. So as we do this in just a minute, and I say close your eyes, if you're having that fear, panic, shame thing, I encourage you to take this minute, talk to God about that. And say, God, I know that's not how you want me to be. Change that in me. Help me to see you the way that I should. And maybe you need to bow your knees to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me and bring me into your kingdom. I need to be born again. And, and just to kind of get us rolling here, I did this exercise recently. So can I share my, my three things with you real quick? And then, and then we'll do it, okay? So first thing when I did this exercise, I visioned is I just want to go and fall at the feet of my Savior King on my knees and say, you are worthy of it all. And just say, you're worthy. And the next thing I want to do is I want to go find some of my loved ones and I just, <laughs> people who have gone out before, I just love on them. And then the third thing I want to do is I want to find people that I've invested in in this life. People I've mentored or discipled, people I've invested, spent time with, and I want to see who they've become. And I want to see the people that are there in eternity because of them. And then I was talking to Nathan over the, you know, over the break between first service. He wants to you know, see a timeline and know where dinosaurs were and all that stuff. I, for me, I want to get like on a horse or fly or something and go exploring. You know, that's, that's the next thing I want to do. But. Okay, so we're going to do this right now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And in, in just a minute or two, I'm going to close out by reading the last chapter of the Bible. But just for right now, just sit with the Holy Spirit. Let your, let your imagination kind of just go, what are the first three, three things I want to do when I come into eternity?
Go ahead and think about it. Go ahead and keep thinking about it. I'm going to read Revelation 22. It says, And there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And His servants will serve Him. And they'll see His face. And His name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. And Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's open our eyes and let's say that last word, Revelation twenty-two twenty. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. One more time. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship him. Hallelujah.